This morning we want to talk about uh, uh, two more attributes of God that within this room will be reminders, will be an opportunity to be refreshed at what God, uh, reminded of what who God is and what He's doing in our lives. But in the world, these attributes are under assault, and not only toward God, but toward each other, and that's truth and faithfulness. Truth, we've heard over and over, is, is relative now. Truth is not truth. It is not absolute. And But yet, everyone's making truth statements, aren't they? Sort of ironic to say there is no truth while you're making truth statements. I don't know if you've been to Taco Bell recently. Some hot sauce packets here. The great dispenser of hot sauce truth. If you never do, you'll never know. Think about the truth that they're saying. Or the truth they're trying to present. If you never do, you'll never know. It's coming from an experience-based culture. I think the Bible would have something to say about that. It only gets better from here. Leave no dare undone. Do not tell that to my kids. My boys. That is not truth. What is it presented as? Truth. Good things always happen after midnight. Why say no when you can say yes? And so we have truth statements that, that maybe some of you have read those, we've laughed about those, and, but all over the place, we, the, our culture is making truth statements. And so this morning, we want to evaluate, okay, where are those truth statements coming from? But the thing about understanding truth and having a correct evaluation of what is truth and what is the source of truth is that affects our actions. And it is no coincidence that as our society has lessened the value of truth, we've also lessened the importance of faithfulness. Because the two are completely tied together, as we'll see this morning as we study these two attributes of God. In our society, it's not uncommon to say a man's word is no longer a man's bond, as opposed to 50 years ago. In fact, it's rare that a man's word is his bond, because it's just some words, and if truth is relative... Who really cares what we say? In the business world, we see deals gone bad. I know in our congregation, many of you have been affected by situations in business where people have taken advantage of lies and deceit and corruption in the workforce. I can remember selling my business and and being lied to and betrayed because the people's word was not their bond. They were not faithful to truth. Some authors have said that faithfulness actually is the source of the deepest hurts and bitterness that we will experience in life, or the lack of faithfulness. And I was thinking about that, and there's some truth there, because when we think of what really (coughs) pains our heart, and what really disturbs us, we come back to things like betrayal. We come back to people not keeping their word, people letting us down. Because every time someone lets us down, it's a, it's a hit on our trust and our ability to trust and our ability to rely on someone. We see a rise in marital infidelity because if there's no truth, there is no faithfulness. There's nothing to be true to in our actions. It's a great source of heartache and misery in our world, the lack of faithfulness. But you know, it's not new. It's not new. In Proverbs 20, verse 6, 
We read, many a man proclaims his own steadfast love, but a faithful man, who can find? And so the situation isn't new. As long as there's been sin in this world, there's been an attack on truth. As long as there's been sin in this world, there's been unfaithfulness to our word and to truth. But this morning, we want to firmly declare that God is true, absolutely. And God is faithful, always. And those truths are are truths that I pray we remind ourselves of today and, and savor in our mouths and enjoy today. So we leave here saying, there is truth and it is in God Almighty. And He is faithful. He will never let me down. As I've talked with people, I think that's actually a concept about God that we struggle with. I think it's hard to understand a completely faithful God because we have no frame of reference here on earth. There is, there has never been a human being other than Jesus Christ who has been completely faithful. And so when we talk about things like faithfulness, we come and we carry all this baggage of every relationship and every hurt and every betrayal and everything we come to it, And it is hard to see and even comprehend that God is completely, always, unequivocally faithful. But that's the beauty of it. That's the truth of it. In Revelation 19.11, Jesus is being described. And He's described, Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True. And in righteousness, He judges and makes war. The one sitting on it is called faithful and true. And so this morning, we want to unpack that. And those two words, faithfulness and truth, and what those means as it applies to God. And again, just like all of the attributes we've been studying, we're taking a fly-by glimpse of the attribute. It's, It's like looking at a giant mountain from different sides. And each week, we take another step, and we see a portion of it, and we talk through it quickly, Because there's just so much that we can unpack. But as we study each of the attributes, they all work together to help us understand who God is. Especially attributes like God's holiness last week. Because it it, it applies to every other attribute. God's faithfulness this week applies to every other attribute. And so when we take the attributes as a whole, we begin to understand God in a deeper, true way. So what is truth? What is faithfulness? We want to start by defining those. And the definition in your notes for truth, God in His entirety and being is true, reliable, and consistent and is the final standard of truth. Let me repeat that. God in His entirety and being, so wholly and completely, is true, reliable, and consistent and is the final standard of truth. And so we're talking about His character here, His knowledge here, His words here. Every part of who God is is true. Every part is consistent. Every part is reliable. As we look at the words for for truth and and faithfulness, it's interesting in in the Hebrew, there's two different words, amet and aman, that are, are both used and they both can be translated truth or faithfulness. And as I was reading and studying, they're synonyms to each other. And whereas we separate the two concepts, to the Hebrew mind, truth and faithfulness were one concept. One concept. 
And the truth had to do with your, your being, your thoughts, and your words. And the faithfulness had to do with how that worked out in your actions. They were two sides of the same coin. So if what I, if I say, you know, Matt, I'm going to pick on you for a minute. Matt, I'm going to give you a million dollars tomorrow. Okay? Is that statement true? It, it could be. You're hoping. What's the test of whether it's true or not? Tomorrow, whether I'm faithful to what I say. Do you see the, the relationship there? If what I say is true, I will do it and I will be faithful to do it. If what I say is false, I will be unfaithful to that statement. The two are the same. And so when we say God is true and God is faithful, we are saying not only is He accurate, but He will do everything He says. He is steady and unwavering. He is consistent within Himself. Definition for faithfulness there, and I'm including them together rather than taking these attributes separately. Faithfulness is the assurance that God will always do what He says and fulfill what He promises. God will always do what He says and fulfill what He promises. He will prove Himself by His actions to be true. Now sometimes that's a challenge for us. Sometimes we don't view God as faithful because we are holding Him to our wants rather than His standards of truth. And so sometimes we'll go through some difficult times in life and we're like, God is not being faithful to me right now. Or we'll feel it. We'll be struggling with that. And it's because we have an idea of what th- how things should be, what we expect Him to do. But God is faithful to truth and what is right and what is good on His terms. Because He knows and we do not. Like I said, one of the words in the Hebrew that's used for, for truth and faithfulness is aman. It's where we get the word amen. Which is why when we say amen, it means verily or truthfully. May it be so. It, this is, when we say amen, we are affirming the faithfulness and the truth of what has just been said. But the idea of, of, of truth and faithfulness is much more than accuracy. That word aman means to support, to sustain, to establish, to be reliable. For those of you that are, that are working in, in either engineering fields or computer fields, when we think of integrity, when we think of structural integrity, what does that mean? It will hold up, right? It will stand up. When we think of data integrity, the data is accurate. It is true. It is good. This word, in fact, and I wanted to give a little illustration because I'm, I'm trying to get past our idea of truth that it's just accuracy. The word was used, and I, I didn't build completely what it was used for, but it was used of the doorposts of, of the building of their houses. And those doorposts would hold up a crossbar and support that portion of the house. That was truth and faithfulness. And so it was something like this, where these would, and I tested it beforehand. <laughs> thought of having one of you test it. These pieces of wood are true and faithful in a sense because they can support me. They can hold me up. They're reliable. They're consistent. And so when we think of truth, think more than accuracy of God. Think of someone that is trustworthy. Someone that is faithful. Someone that is firm. Someone that will hold us up in the darkest of hours and the most difficult of times. He is our doorposts that hold up the whole building. And so truth and faithfulness are intimately related. 
They're synonyms. His faithfulness means he will do what he has said. We can count on him at all times. I'd like to just go through some, some observations about truth, some observations about faithfulness. These are all observations that each one of them we can dig in deeper. It's like if you're looking at the Yosemite Valley and you see this incredible view, that's what we're looking at this morning. But if you go down in the valley and hike a waterfall, you dig into one aspect of the view. That's something that we do in our community groups and invite you to join us as we dig in deeper to some of these, to some of these principles. But when we think of truth, the first observation is God is truth in His very being. God is truth in His very being. John 14.6 Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Me. And He makes an affirmation there, I am the way, but then the second phrase, I am the truth. And that's more than just I speak truth. He is truth. That's an important distinction to understand. Truth isn't just something God does, it's who He is. No part of God is untrue. No part of God is unreliable. No part of God is inconsistent. He is truth in His very nature. Second observation about truth. And this deals with the factual side of truth. Not only will God not lie, God cannot lie. Some of you may be thinking, well, that's pretty much the same thing. But understand, it's not just a choice that God will not lie. It's His nature that He cannot lie. Because He is consistent, because He is true, He cannot violate that. Numbers 23.19, which is in your, your worship folder as our memory verse, or on the notes as our memory verse for the week. God is not a man that He should lie. Do you see the comparison that God is setting up here? Man? What does he say man does? Lie. Man lies. God is not a man. He is altogether different, altogether other, holy. God is not a man that he should lie, or a son of man that he should change his mind. And then we get to the faithfulness part of it. It's, it's all mixed together. Has he said and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not fulfill it? Lying and untruth is contrary to his very nature. And he will not violate his nature. He cannot violate his nature. That deepens our trust in his word, doesn't it? It's not just something he's trying to do. It is what he is. Some may say, well, you know, for us, sometimes we, we unknowingly lie. It's an accident because we don't know the whole story. And so we're telling the truth. And so maybe that's true of God. Maybe he, he, he speaks truth, but, but sometimes unknowingly lies. But is that even possible? Think of the attributes that we've covered. What about omniscience? Is there ever a time that God would unknowingly do anything? No, we know from Scripture God knows all things. And so God is truth all the time, and there are no exceptions. Titus 1.2 says, In hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began. Proverbs 35, Every word of God proves true. Not some, but every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in Him, which comes to His faithfulness. The two are, 
are um, intermixed so often. Observation number three about truth. God is the only true God. The only true God. We see this throughout Scripture in John 17, 3. And this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you sent. That, that statement isn't just saying He's the only one that doesn't lie. It's saying He is the only reliable, true, support, consistent, absolute God. All other gods are false. He is everything that God should be. And the false gods are nothing that God should be. Jeremiah 10.10 But the Lord is the true God. He is the living God and the everlasting King. And that concept's vital in a world that says there are a hundred ways to get to heaven. There are a hundred different gods. As long as you believe sincerely the one you believe, you're there. But if all the others are lying, you're not there. God is the only true God. The only way to salvation. Finally, observation number four. God and His words are the standard for truth. God and His words are the standard for truth. God's words don't just conform to some outside standard of truth. It wasn't as if God, in His character, said, oh, I should, I should be truthful, and so let's figure out what truthful is and conform to that, because that puts something else above God. God is the standard of truth. Now, now think about this. Think about just, just logically for a moment. If you have a standard, it has to come from somewhere. It has to be compared to something, right? In, in Washington, D.C., for instance, they have a standard meter at, at the um, National Institute of Standards and Technology. And they have a standard meter, and they've defined this as one ten millionth of the distance from the Earth's equator to the North Pole at sea level. So one ten millionth of that distance. Now, that was a little hard to go out and measure that the, 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 from the North Pole to the equator very often. And so they made a standard for that called a prototype. And it's this rod made out of a platinum alloyed with 10% iridium. And when they want to know the exact measurement of a meter, they cool this bar down to zero degrees Celsius at sea level, at 45 degrees latitude, and then they know from tip to tip the exact measurement of a meter. Got it? Now, inches and feet and all those things, they define as a certain, uh, as a certain ratio to that meter. Now, how many of you, in, in trying to figure out how tall your kids are, went to Washington, D.C., or went to the equator, or somehow did this with this rod to figure it out? No, we, we are comparing it to things that are compared to it, which are compared to it, which are compared to it. So someone took, and out of that meter, they, they made a, a, a yardstick or a measurement of a meter, and then out of that come our rulers and all the different standards that we have. But ultimately, there has to be some standard of comparison for truth. The same is true of God and truth with God. He is the standard we compare to. Is there anything else that we would want to decide what truth is than God? There is no other being that is true and wholly consistent. There is no other source for truth. 
And so when Jesus says in John 17, 17, sanctify them in truth, your word is truth, what he's saying is your word is the absolute standard by which we come back to. It's the prototype measurement for a meter. has all kinds of implications that we'll talk about when we get to implications. But that should take our view of God's Word and our understanding of our following of God to a whole new level. Because there is no other standard of truth. And if I want truth in my life, if I want to live according by His standards, I need to go back to His Word. I need to go back to His Word. I can rationalize things. I can intellectually pursue things. But all of that must lead me back to God's Word as the only source of truth. So let's switch gears and look at faithfulness. Truth is is the, um, the character of God, His words, His nature. But how does that work itself out? That's where we get into faithfulness. God is true and He is faithful. He can be relied on. We can trust Him because He is true, because He will always do what He has said. In Isaiah 50, verse 10, we read, Who among you fears the Lord and obeys the voice of His servant? Let him who walks in darkness and has no light trust in the name of the Lord and rely on His God. So we see the instruction to look to God, to trust Him, to rely on Him. The foundation of that is He is faithful. So we have eight observations about God's faithfulness. Faithfulness, again, is one of those things that is applied to all kinds of actions of God because every action of God is faithful. And so for me, it was, it was just fun and rich to look at all the different areas God is faithful in, or some of them. This is just a tip of the iceberg. And to remind myself of who God is and how great He is. First one there is God is faithful to complete His work of salvation. God is faithful to complete His work of salvation. He starts it. He draws us. He reveals truth to us. But then once we believe, He completes it and He holds us as His own. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24, Now may the God of peace Himself sanctify you completely. And sanctify is that process of Him after salvation bringing us into Christ-like, bringing us into Christ's nature, changing our, our old man to the new man. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. And it's a, a, a great verse among many others that help us understand the per- doctrine of the perseverance of the saints. That once we are saved, once we have become His children, it's not our effort that keeps us in Christ. It is His effort because He is faithful and we are not. And even when we are not faithful, He is still faithful. Man, that is hope. That's amazing. It's not a license to go sin but something that generates an awe for God that makes me want to serve and worship Him more. Turn to 1 Corinthians 1, 8 and 9. Let's look at another verse that deals with that God is faithful to complete His work of salvation. 1 Corinthians 1, 
8 and 9. Who will sustain you to the end? Speaking of God. Guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And God's faithfulness in verse 9 there is again tied to our calling into fellowship, our calling to salvation, and the sustaining of our salvation. Those that are truly saved will be kept until eternity. Will be sustained until Christ returns. And out of that we have confidence in the work of God. In Philippians 1.6, we are confident of this very thing that He who began a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. God is faithful to complete His work of salvation. None of us are done. None of us have arrived at sanctification. But He's faithfully doing it, isn't He? And change us into His likeness. Trust Him. Second observation of faithfulness. God is faithful to help in temptation. God is faithful to help in temptation. Amen? Anyone tempted this week? Wow. Not a lot of hands. (laughs) We've all been tempted this week. Of course we have. But God is faithful to help in temptation. Flip over a few pages to 1 Corinthians 10.13. A familiar verse. 1 Corinthians 10.13. The Apostle Paul is writing here to the church at Corinth the words of the Holy Spirit. And he writes, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. Again, we get a comparison. Man is tempted. There's temptation that's common to man. It's normal. But then he goes on, God is faithful and He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, He will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. And so we have man is tempted. There are temptations that are beyond our ability, but God, through His faithfulness, does not let us into those situations. And it's a comparison of our weakness and God's greatness. God is faithful. Sometimes I think of temptation like being trapped in a hole. And I don't know if you ever dug holes. I dug holes all the time when I was a kid. And then Dad would eventually find them and and we'd fill them in. But um, I can remember digging holes that were just too deep that I couldn't get out of. And you had to have a friend come and and lay on their their stomach and reach down and, and pick you up and pull you out. I do not advise this. This is not wisdom. Do not dig holes that are too deep for you to get out of. But in in my foolish youth, I did that. But think about temptation. Temptation can be, can be, we can feel like we're getting to a hole that we can't get out of. So we give in to temptation. We give in. But the promise of God is that He is faithful to always provide a way out. To always be there saying, I have a way to help you through that. There is no excuse for giving in to temptation because there is always a way out if we look to God and His faithfulness. If we give in to temptation, it is because we have refused to look to God for help, not because He hasn't helped us. And that's encouraging and sobering all at once. But God is always there saying, let me help you out of the hole. Let me help you through this. There's a way out. God is faithful to the tempted. Third observation of God's faithfulness is He is faithful to love His children. 
He is faithful to love His children always and unendingly. Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. A verse that we mentioned earlier in worship. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And the other pairing that we often see in Scripture is God's faithful love with His faithfulness. His steadfast love with faithfulness. In fact, one of the words in the Old Testament for love was hesed, which meant a covenant of love. Not just I love you, but I'm covenanting to love you. I'm committing with my whole life to love you. And God loves us with hesed love, a covenant love that will never end that He is always faithful to. Psalm 136.1 says, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever. In fact, turn over to Psalm 136. Psalm 136. Let's just read a few verses. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. And then what does it say? His love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. To Him who alone does great wonders. To Him who by understanding made the heavens. To Him who spread out the earth above the waters. The chapter goes on and says that verse after verse after verse. And it's a reminder, it was a reminder to the children of Israel that God is faithful. He steadfastly loves His children and that will never change. Now sometimes we even have a song based on this chapter and sometimes we're like, man, that's really repetitive. Why did they repeat it? What? So we won't forget it. Because when we get into the daily pressures of life, when we get into sickness and and care, care, <clears throat> care of those in need, and the circumstances that just shock us, it is so easy to doubt whether God loves us and whether He's faithful. And so not just in this chapter, but if you look through the writings of the whole Old Testament, over and over and over and over, His steadfast love endures forever. Because there's comfort and hope that God is steadfast and faithful. And we need to remind ourselves of that. We need to not get tired of saying that. We need to enjoy that His love endures forever. That He is faithful to love His children. I encourage you as, as you walk your, your life with God and walk through your Christian life, in good times, in, in times where you see God's faithfulness, write down or do something to remember that God is faithful. Because then when you're challenged in that, when life is pressing in on you, you can go back to that and say, God is faithful when He did this. God was faithful when He did this. God was faithful when He did this. His mercies are new every morning. Great is Thy faithfulness. We need to be reminded. I don't know, maybe your memory is perfect. I struggle to remember yesterday sometimes. And reminders are huge in helping us live in an understanding of God's faithfulness. Some other verses there that you can read. But let's move on to the next observation. God's faithfulness assures that He will keep His promises. Amen. 
He will do what He says. He will meet His promises. Every promise we have in His Word, things like I will never leave you nor forsake you, is a promise and He will keep it. He means what He says. He does what He says. He is faithful. Think about just throughout Scripture, story after story after story, and and we don't have time to read every book. But think of Abraham and Sarah. What did God promise them? You will have children. They laughed. Well, Sarah laughed. We're too old. Did God keep His promise? Absolutely. Think about, or in Genesis 15, 13, the Lord said to Abraham, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs and will be servants there, speaking of exile to Egypt, and they will be afflicted for 400 years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. It's a warning, but it's a promise, right? Did God keep His promise? Absolutely. In Exodus 12.41, at the end of 430 years, on that very day, all the hosts of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. Genesis chapter 3, at the scene of, of the fall of man into sin, in the middle of God's judgment on his, in His curse, He promises something. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. Speaking of the serpent, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. And it's a promise that someday God would send His Son to judge Satan, to have victory over Satan. And even though Satan was going to strike his heel and have a temporary, what appeared to be a victory, God wins in the end. Did God keep His promise? In Jesus Christ, a virgin gave birth. They called His name Emmanuel. He will save His people from their sins. We can go on and on and on. But God keeps His promises. Nature reminds us that God keeps His promises. Do you remember what God promised Noah when they got off the ark? Never again will I destroy the earth in this fashion. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. And when we think of that as a promise, every day that we get up, every day that we see that the sun has come up again and we have a new day, it's a reminder that God keeps His promises. Not even the Mayans could stop that. God keeps His promises. Rest in that. Trust Him. Rely on Him. Next observation, God's faithfulness has no boundaries. God's faithfulness has no boundaries, no limits, nothing can stop it. No spatial boundaries. In Psalm 36.5, Your steadfast love, O Lord, extends to the heavens. Your faithfulness to the clouds. No time boundaries. Psalm 119.90, Your faithfulness endures to all generations. You have established the earth and it stands fast. Psalm 105, For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. There's no boundaries. There's no stop to His faithfulness. The message of that is you're stuck. You're stuck with a faithful God. Amen? I'll be stuck with that any day. There are no boundaries and limits to His faithfulness. Next observation. 
God's faithfulness assures us that we can rely on Him in difficult times. It assures us that we can rely on Him in difficult times because we are assured of His faithful love. We are assured that His love will never end. We are assured that He will keep His promises. And so He will protect and deliver His own. Not on our terms, not how we expect Him to, but how He chooses to, to, according to His plan, to bring good. Psalm 31, 3-5 says, For you are my rock and my fortress. And there are some sitting here this morning that that needs to be your precious promise that you leave with today. You are my rock and my fortress. And for your name's sake, you lead me and guide me. You take me out of the net they have hidden for me, for you are my refuge. One that I can run to and hide and be safe. Into your hand I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me. And then the last phrase there, O Lord, faithful God. Because God is faithful, He is someone we can run to and we can trust and we can rely on. It's hard for us. We're an independent people. Every time we're hurt by someone that breaks our trust, we build walls of self-protection. Say, I'm not going to trust again. And those transfer to God. God will never let you down. God is the only one we can trust and rely on completely. Trust Him. Rely on Him. We took our kids to the snow on Monday. And it was pretty icy because it hadn't snowed in a while. And um, going down this one slope, one of my kids um, didn't, didn't want to follow us. And we said, hey, follow us. It'll be easier. We're, we're picking the best way down. And he ended up just falling on his, his tail end and hurting himself. And, and Mark, in, in the wisdom of a, an eight-year-old, said, you know, if, if you just walked where mom and dad walked, you'd be okay. In fact, if you walk in their footsteps, they've already broken ground, and, and that's what I do, and I haven't fallen yet. What an illustration of trusting God. I almost cried when he said that. But of trusting God that in difficult times, He is our rock and our fortress if we will just follow Him and stop trying to do it on our own. Two more God is faithful to discipline. Some of you may want to scratch that one out. It's not my favorite one here. But if God is faithful to protect, we also know from Scripture He's faithful to discipline His children. And we see verse after verse of that, the Joshua 23 passage, and we don't have time to read it all, but I'll read some of it. And now I am about to go the way of all the earth. Joshua is about to leave and he's giving some final instructions. You know in your hearts and souls, all of you, that not one word has failed of all the good things that the Lord your God promised concerning you. Yes! He's promised good things that's never failed. But he goes on. All have come to pass for you. Not one of them has failed. But just as all the good things that the Lord your God promised concerning you have been fulfilled for you, so the Lord will bring upon you all the evil things until He has destroyed you from off this good land that the Lord your God has given you if you transgress the covenant of the Lord your God. Oh, let's leave off the second part. But God's faithfulness means He's not only faithful to protect, but He's faithful to discipline because He loves us. We see examples of that throughout Scripture. Cain, 
We see Korah was disciplined. Achan was disciplined. Ananias and Sapphira were disciplined. And those are examples of of people that didn't believe in God. They weren't His children in the end. But of God's faithfulness to deal with sin, His justice and His wrath. But finally, number eight, God is faithful to forgive. God is faithful to forgive. 1 John 1 9 is a familiar verse, but have you caught the word faithful in that verse? If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It means we can count on it. It's a promise. He's faithful to it. If we come to Him and confess and repent, He will forgive. And for those that are here this morning that may not have ever come to a belief in Christ, this is a promise worth holding on to this morning that if you come to Him and repent and turn to Him and believe on Him, He will forgive. In fact, there's nothing He cannot forgive. And He will make you His son and His daughter and bring you into His family. Some observations about His faithfulness. It's a challenge because we, at times, are not faithful. We, at times, let people down. And so we come to God with all these excuses. Sometimes for us, it's, well, I wasn't able to get to it. Some circumstances came up and it prevented me from doing what I said. But God, in His omnipotence, means that will never happen. There will never be a circumstance that prevents Him from being faithful. He will never be able to commit to something He is incapable of doing. For us, sometimes when we let someone down, we might say, well, I changed my mind. I decided I didn't want to come. But God, in His attribute of immutability, He's unchangeable. He never changes His mind. And so that will never be an excuse that God will use to let us down. We may say, well, someone else made me do something else. You know, Maybe we've made a promise to a friend and then something happens that our, our boss forces us to stay late or something. And, and circumstances happen beyond our control. But God's sovereignty means no one has authority over Him. No one is greater. No one can change His mind. No one can force Him to change. For us, sometimes we miss miss things and we let people down because we forget. But God is omniscient. He never forgets. For us, we might say, well, I had a better offer. I chose to do something else, which is really self-centeredness. But God, in His love and His attribute of, of love, means He will faithfully pursue our good in His plan. We can go on and on and on. But all of the things we use as excuses for unfaithfulness fail when you look at God's attributes. He will always be dependable and always be faithful. You can count on it. You can take it to the bank. Four implications there. The first one, we need to speak truth and do what you say you will do. Take on God's moral nature. The truth and the faithfulness of God are attributes that are in the category that we call communicable attributes, which means God is transferring them to us as He sanctifies us. We are becoming a part of His nature. We are taking on His nature. And so He wants us to be true. He wants us to be faithful. Fruit of the Spirit. 
love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. And so we need to say, how, how serious do I take my word? How serious do I take it when I make a commitment? When I make a promise? When I don't follow through on a commitment, I am reflecting on God's character poorly. When I don't speak the whole truth, I am reflecting on God's character poorly. He is our standard. May we not dishonor Him. May we not diminish the transmission of His glory. So first implication, we need to take it seriously to speak the truth and be honest, be trustworthy. Second, we need to trust God's Word as the standard for truth. Trust God's Word as the standard for truth. Oftentimes we come to God's Word and we read it and then we try to explain it away or we try to to not follow it because we don't understand it. And it is very easy to put understanding as a higher priority than the truth of God's Word. Now don't get me wrong, I think we should try to understand God's Word and look at the philosophy behind it and look at, at, the, at it intellectually, but that is secondary to the truth of God's Word. God's Word is true, so we can search it out intellectually. Not, if I understand it intellectually, then it's true. We've got to get that order right. In our culture today, I think that's under attack. And if we don't understand something, we don't think it's true. God's Word is truth. It is the foundation of our teaching here at Village. It is always the source and the foundation. Number three, trust your difficulties to a faithful God and continue doing His work. Look at 1 Peter 4. A great little verse that captures the essence of this. 1 Peter 4.19 1 Peter 4.19 Therefore let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful Creator while doing good. And just digest that verse for a little bit. But it's talking about those that are going through difficulties, those that are going through suffering. He says, trust that to God. He is faithful. He's the faithful Creator. Trust that He can take care of it. Don't let it stop you. Because He goes on to say, Continue doing God's work while doing good. When we go through difficult times, it's easy to just go to the couch and turn on a TV show, get a nice big bowl of ice cream, and be done for a week. More ice cream throughout the week. That's not trust in God's faithfulness. That's moping because I'm trying to handle it on my own. And God says, trust me and do my work. I am faithful. And finally, let God's faithfulness fill you with hope. Let's God's, let God's faithfulness fill you with hope. He who promised is faithful. He has promised us eternity in heaven. He has promised us that he wins and has victory over Satan in the end. There's hope even if we have momentary trials that we don't see in how they fit into the big picture, focus on the hope. Lord God, our Father, we praise You that You are faithful, that You are true. Lord, that we can rely on You, that we can stand firm on You, on Your support, trusting in You, Lord. I pray 
that if there's anyone here that has never trusted you with their life, that right now would be the time that they do that. Because you are the only faithful one. Lord, and I pray for those that are, are struggling right now, those that are going through some difficult times, that this morning would be a wonderful, blessed reminder that you are faithful, you still love them, you have not forgotten the situation, and you still have the situation well in hand, and it's in your hand, your omnipotent, almighty hand. Lord, what a joy and hope that that brings to trust you. Lord, drive us to our knees if we do not trust you. Drive us into a deeper understanding of your faithfulness. We praise you, Lord God, in your name. Amen.